The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, sports columnist from the Commercial Appeal. I'm joined by Jason. Muns, our Tiger basketball beat writer. We are officially a less than a month away from the start of college, the college basketball season. Hopefully, um, fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed. We're we, you know it's we're less than a month away from from the Tigers tipping off uh, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, against Ohio State uh, in the Bad Boy Mowers crossover classic. Uh, that was you, you. Have you been practicing that, rehearsing that? Well, well, we, you know, on my radio show, we like to talk about bad boy mowers. So I've, <laughs> we've been saying it a lot, okay. just like the NBA finals presented by YouTube TV. Um, and, and, you know, you're like but, a seasoned, you're a seasoned, uh, you're, a, you're a, a vet, a veteran of, of uh, I don't know if I go that far, but um, we got a lot to get to on, on today's podcast. Uh, right before we came on air, the AAC released its preseason poll, as well as its all AAC preseason teams. Uh, we'll get into that. Uh, Jason has been talking to uh, uh, people behind the scenes uh, who have been on hand for Memphis basketball practices since they started working out about two weeks ago in full. Uh, and I think he's got some uh, interesting uh, tidbits, nuggets. Uh, to pass along on what's been happening behind the scenes, who's been looking good, uh, what the starting lineup might look, look like, things like that. Uh, and then we'll we'll wrap things up with a discussion on uh, scheduling. We still don't know the Tigers' schedule, uh, and it, over the last week or so, it's it's become clear just how uh, complicated scheduling is right now uh, around all of college basketball. Uh, not just Memphis, like Memphis is not alone and not knowing what its schedule is going to look like exactly at this point. Uh, but let's start. I just got, we're, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday morning and it, it, it just got released right before we started recording uh, the pre all pre the preseason uh, poll for the AAC. Um, and so uh, here's the, the nitty gritty, if you will. Um, Memphis was picked to finish second in the in the league behind Houston, uh, who was uh, the preseason favorite. That seems to line up with a lot of the preseason national preseason polls. You know, Houston's slightly ahead of Memphis in, in most of them. Houston received nine first place votes. Memphis received two first place votes. Um, and, and keep in mind, this AAC preseason poll is voted on by the league's coaches. Um, it's not a media poll. Uh, in third was SMU, fourth Cincinnati, fifth USF, sixth Tulsa, seventh Wichita State, eighth UCF, ninth ECU, tenth Temple, and eleventh Tulane. Um, Months before we get to the pre preseason player of the year, rookie of the year, all pre all AAC teams, um, your impressions of the Tigers getting picked second uh, by the league's coaches? I think that's fine. Um, I, I, I mean, it, 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 like you, like you said, it's kind of in line with what 
um, a lot of people are forecasting for the upcoming season that Houston is just kind of Houston's just kind of the the standard right now um, going into the season. Kelvin Sanders. Well, it's interesting because they probably would have been a unanimous first place pick, I think, two months ago when we didn't know Landers Nolly was going to play, and sure. when they had uh, Fabian White hadn't gotten injured, their center and. Uh, What's is it? Nate Hinton didn't stay in the draft. If both those guys are back at Houston as they thought, I bet Houston is the unanimous pick. Um, now they look, yeah, they still look good. They're still, it looks, you know, a consensus top 25 team. They've got arguably the best backcourt in the league with Dijon Giroux, uh, Quentin Grimes, Caleb Mills, who we'll get to in a second. He was picked, Caleb Mills, by the way, was picked as the preseason player of the year in the AAC uh the Houston guard um and then who am I forgetting they have a fourth guard who's really good too they got they're gonna be they're gonna have a loaded backcourt but they're gonna be weak in the front court basically yeah I um I, I do think it's somewhat interesting that um that Mills the preseason player of the year oh, is Marcus Sasser that's the other guard the other guy from last year both them yeah. remember both them were freshmen last year I do remember that um that he Caleb Mills is the only he's a preseason player of the year and he's the only Houston player on either the first or second team. Um, he was a unanimous, obviously unanimous first team selection. One of only two uh, unanimous first team selections. Yeah, J- um, Jade Gardner from East Carolina was the other unanimous uh, selection. Yeah, which um, totally makes sense. But but I don't know. Well, I, he's had, he's had two really good years at ECU. He's just been on a bad. bad. He's been on bad teams. Yeah, no, but I mean, obviously, Houston is bringing back a lot. I would, I would like to know if the voting was done. Are the coaches when when it was done? Are the coaches assuming DeAndre Williams gets eligible, or are they? Did they do the vote um, assuming he doesn't get eligible? Because that's the way it stands today. So, and 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 if they did it thinking he was, he's not going to be, you know, under the assumption that he's ineligible until proven eligible um how how much would the voting change if he if yeah. and when he is ruled eligible that 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 would be interesting to, to know yeah my guess is i, I think you know my guess I still is think, i still think houston is picked to yeah. win even yeah. in, even under those circumstances but, i mean listen they've been the best team in the league for yep. three years now yeah. right yeah. Two, three yeah. years two years i guess i mean you know they've been it's certainly been they've either been that, you know, Cincinnati dominated the league for a while, but over the last two years or so, Houston has elevated itself uh, in terms of results as the best team, best program in the league under Kelvin Sampson. For sure, yeah. I mean, to be fair, last season Cincinnati, Houston, and Tulsa all finished tied atop the uh, standings. But no, I, 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 I get your point, and I, and I agree with it. I think. Well, that was, what was crazy was that was supposed to be a rebuilding year for Houston, and they yeah, still right. were one of the best, you know, yeah. arguably the best team in the league. Yeah, no preseason, um, preseason being what preseason is, Houston is in the right spot, I think. No, and I think I think this is fair for Memphis. I you know I think this Memphis team's going to be good. I believe last year, if I'm not mistaken, last year Memphis and Houston were picked to, uh, as co-favorites in the league. That's right. Um, but I. You know, just because Memphis picked pick second, I mean, I think they have as good a shot as anyone to win this league. Um, and, 
it'll be interesting. I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, how it all plays out. Um, we mentioned Caleb Mills, preseason player of the year. Musa Sise from Memphis was named the preseason rookie of the year. Uh, that, you know, seems like a, you know, logical pick. He's very easy. He's clearly the best recruit to come into the league this year. Um, yeah. In terms of if you go by ranking, he's the only, you know, potential one and done in the league um, this year. So makes a, makes a lot of sense that he's the preseason rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, this is no knock on him or anybody else who did the voting, but he's kind of like the default. Um, yeah. the default I'm surprised player. they even do a rookie of the year, to be honest. Like, yeah. But it's great. It's good recognition for Musa. And, you know, he's going to be – he's going to – It'll be interesting to see at the end of the year, because I, I feel like Moose is going to be the type of player where if you're going to judge him on points, it's not going to be that impressive. But you judge him on impact, whether it be defensively or as a rebounder, I think that's where, you know, that's where he's going to make his greatest impact with the Tigers this year. Yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right. Um, just altering shots and and – um, picking up the slack for whatever uh, whatever slack there will be to pick up because, again, this is a very, very good defensive Memphis team uh, under Penny Hardaway last season, and you expect that to either get better or even, you know, stay the same or get better. Um, but, you know, I mean, just the impact he's, he's expected to make on defense alone, um, that's going to be his true value. That's going to be his biggest value, I think. Yeah. And whatever you get on offense is a bonus. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean they've got they've got plenty of they you know they should have plenty of uh, offensive options outside of Musa. All right, let's run down the the first and sec preseason first and second teams. First team, no Memphis players on the preseason first team. Uh, instead, it was uh, Cincinnati guard Keith Williams, Houston guard Caleb Mills, SMU guard Kendrick Davis, Tulsa forward Brandon. R- I think it's Recall. Um, Maybe Rochelle. Rochelle? Rochelle? I don't know. Rochelle. Okay. Um, and then East Carolina forward, Jaden Gardner. Uh, and then on the second team, uh, SMU guard, Tyson Jolly. Uh, Memphis guard, Landers Nolly II. Uh, Memphis forward, DJ Jeffries. USF forward, Alexis Yetney, Yetna. And Cincinnati center, Chris Voigt. Um, so, and, and Caleb Mills and Jaden Gardner were unanimous selections to the first team. Um, I think you could probably quibble, consider moving Nolly or Jeffries up to first team instead of the Tulsa kid, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, you know, but, you know, because, you know, but at the same time, you know, these, you know, you know, you got to earn it, I guess. Um, but like, you know, Landers Nolly was, it wasn't he the freshman or the newcomer of the year in the ACC last year? Like, I, I, I find it hard to believe that Memphis doesn't have one of the five best players in the league on its roster this year. I'm just, you know, that's just my yeah. impression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, and I could see possibly even two. Um, yeah, whether it's Landers or DJ or, or Musa or whoever, like, you can't tell me that when you list out the five best players in this league, one of them isn't on Memphis's team. Yeah, I mean, I think again, preseason being what it is, taking it taking into account what preseason it actually is. Um, I mean, Landers Nolly is new to the league. 
brand new to the league. And DJ Jeffries played 19 games last year, only 12 starts. Yeah. And um, a lot of them weren't in conference play either. That's you know, true. Like yeah. DJ's games. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's fine. I, I mean, you, you, I, I think we can all agree, uh, or most of us can agree that one of those two, based on the way things are, the way, you know, if you believe what you hear, uh, one of those two should be on the first uh, on the first team postseason, um, if not both of them potentially, depending on how, you know, depending on how the standings shake out. Now, but I, you- I don't see any other. I don't have any other necessarily. Um, nothing jumps out to me. Uh, the rest of the team that that is like just egregiously like whoa, what are they thinking? Uh, I mean, it, it just I think the two the two guys from SMU. Um, I think those are both. Uh, Jolly and Davis are both uh, good picks, uh, and and Chris Vote from Cincinnati. Um, you know, say what you want about what he did against Memphis uh, last year, which wasn't you he, know, pro- he had he produced he had he a good production. If you go by the numbers, he had a good year. Yeah, and then I feel like if Alexis yet he missed the whole season last year, right for South Florida. Yeah, no, and he was great as a freshman. At yeah, USF. yeah, I mean, I think USF is and they're voted as such i mean they're 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 a dark horse in this league they have something that a lot of teams in this league don't have and that's a ton of size like they're huge um and i don't know you know it'll be interesting to see if this is the year they finally break through i i you know it's funny i look at the the aac and i i think this could be a pretty good year for the league to be quite honest like houston looks like an ncaa tournament team capable of making a run Memphis looks like an NCAA tournament team capable of making a run. SMU looks like it's going to have its best team since 2017. Um, Cincinnati is Cincinnati. You just expect a certain level of, you know, they're, you know, whether they're, they're, they're at the very least, they're a bubble team for the NCAA tournament, just based on reputation and, and who they are. I know they have a different coach than, you know, Mick Cronin's been gone now for a year or two, but and then I think SMU is a potential dark horse here that could be – or not SMU, uh, USF that could be a tournament team as well. Like now are all five of them going to make the tournament? Probably not. But I, I think this is a year potentially, if you look at it on paper, where, you know, you could be talking about three or four AAC teams in the NCAA tournament, which is, you know, that's good for this league. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you talk about USF and I think they'll they'll – They'll always be somewhat dangerous. Um, I mean, Brian Gregory can coach. And uh, and so, you know, I think having him back for another year in South Florida, plus they're getting Yetna back. And, um, I mean, they were they were supposed to I – know, I know I thought they were going to be uh, sort of a dark horse last year. And, of course, they um, had some wins. Had I think. So many injuries. They had a lot of injuries last year. I mean, year. They, they that was the team that sort of uh, – I don't know, not necessarily derailed Memphis's um, season there late with the win in Memphis, but uh, it was a bad loss. I can tell you that, you know, it felt like a bad loss, you know? Yeah. yeah. But um, again, that's just, that's, that's pointing out the, pointing out the, um, the, uh, the fact that you shouldn't necessarily sleep on USF, especially when they're getting back uh, Alexis yet. Well, it's interesting. So ESPN yesterday also came out with their sort of, they did like a round, they they do a round table on every league and they did their AAC one. Um, And all four of ESPN's 
college basketball reporters, Myron Metcalf, Jeff Borzello, John Gassaway, and Joe Lenardi uh, predict, uh, I guess they call it a Memphis rebound. Like after last year, kind of not quite living up to the hype for various reasons, they expect this Memphis team to, to be pretty, pretty darn good, just like all of us do. Um, And it's the, uh, it it was interesting. They had some anonymous AAC coaches size up the American. And do you want to hear what they said about Memphis, the anonymous coach? I know I do. I'll speak on behalf of everyone and say yes. Okay. So here's the quote, the anonymous coach quote about Memphis. Memphis's biggest problem last year was just offensively. They had turnovers, turnover shots or actual turnovers. They gift wrapped so many possessions to the other team. Defensively, they were a juggernaut. There's a reason they had the number one field goal percentage defense in the country. If they could clean up some of their offensive possessions and force you to play against their half court defense more, it's like going to the dentist. Penny gets those dudes to play so hard and they're organized. Who, who does that sound like to you? Um, I mean, I'm, yeah, who you got juggernaut, you, you got well, those dudes. Yeah, the dudes is the one I'm focusing on. Who in the league is actually capable of saying the phrase, those dudes? Yeah, I don't know. That, like, I don't have an idea. So last year, I'd say Dan Hurley. But yeah, this yeah. year, um, those I don't know. That doesn't, it doesn't sound like Kelvin Sampson to me. And it doesn't sound like – Frank Haith? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking him, maybe – I don't know. Maybe I don't. I, don't, I can't see Jankovic saying that. No, um, it doesn't sound like Dawkins. It doesn't sound like. Um, doesn't sound like Greg Marshall. Nope. I could, like I said, I could see, I could see Haith saying it. Yeah. See, I haven't heard. Uh, maybe Joe Dooley. Yeah, I could see the ECU coach saying it, or uh, or uh, what's his name, the Temple coach or the Tulane coach, Aaron McKee. Oh, oh, that could be uh, Aaron McKee. What's his name? What's the what's the guy? The guy who fell off the chair at Georgia State. Why is it not? Why is it um, not coming to us? What's that? Ron Hunter. That's it. Ron Hunter. Yeah, Ron Hunter. Yeah, I could see those are my prime targets. Yeah, I would say Tulsa. I would say Frank Haith, Joe Dooley, Aaron McKee. Or um, Ron Hunter. I think. I think if we were putting odds on it, I'm going to go with Ron Hunter. Yeah, yeah. I I wasn't even thinking about him, but that it, it the 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 way he the the phrasing there talking about gift wrapping possessions and stuff that does sound a lot like Ron Hunter. And we know Ron Hunter is a is a I mean, is a fan of and he penny. likes Penny. He's a Penny fan, and yeah. I think it's a you know I think that's it's dead on if. If Memphis just had like five fewer turnovers a game last year, they probably win f- three or four more games last year, and they're not a bubble team. Yeah, and it's and it's a very I think I think what what kind of got lost in all the um, struggles that Memphis had last year is is everybody points to the obvious, the turnovers, the um, bad passes, the uh, whatever. But what kind of got lost in that is the is the rushed shots, um, the bad shots that were taken that resulted in, um, you know, just sort of giving the other team the, the rebound and, and that turns into more points. And so, yeah, I mean, if you even cut those types of mistakes in half, Memphis is probably two or three wins better than they were last year. Yeah. And, and that's and, a big swing. Well, and it's funny in this ESPN roundtable, John Gasway brings up the point, like, honestly, like, 
turnovers is an easier thing to fix than yeah. say like not being able to shoot, you know, right. like, not, you know, like, like cutting down on turnovers, you know, it's, it's habits. It's, it's something that frankly, I, I, I expect just with another year of experience, these guys, like the Boogie Ellis's, the, even the Alex Lomax's, the DJ Jeff, all those guys, let yep. Lester known it's like, they're going to be more secure with the ball this year, just because they're more experienced. They know what to expect in college basketball and conference play, all that stuff. Um, yeah. So they've gone, I, through, I they've, they've gone through it. They've seen what can happen if they play the way they played last year and they can make adjustments. They've also added two proven scorers in Landers, Nolly and Deandre Williams guys yeah. who have, who have done this at the college level already. And an important caveat is they're not just proven scores. Um, they're not being, they're not proven scores. They're being asked to come in and just like be the main guys necessarily. Like yeah. they're proven scores who are coming in to be pieces now, important pieces. And hopefully with Deandre, hopefully he gets his, his waiver approved, but I, I just think naturally this is going to be a much better offensive team, like efficiency wise, if you will, just feels like it's set up to be a much better team just based on experience. And then you add in two more pieces, uh, particularly Landers Nolly, who's a guy who can, you know, when you do have those disjointed possessions, another guy who can, who can fix a bad possession, if that makes any sense, you know, by, by going and just getting a shot. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you know, again, talking about Musa Cisse, I, I, having somebody who is a true traditional big man who can, who can also help clean things up. If there are some messy, sloppy moments, having a guy like him on the floor who can, who against most teams will dominate uh, or can could dominate under the glass, you know, he having him last year would have helped clean up a lot too. So um, I think they've, I think they've become uh, older. They've become more balanced and uh, that's only going to help. So along those lines, um, Munz, you've been talking to some, some people behind the scenes uh, who have been at Memphis's practice. I think they've been practicing for about two weeks now fully, um, right, since October 14th. Yep. Um, I, I guess so to start off with this, like, so who has been, according to the people you've been talking to, who's really been impressive in these preseason practices so far? Who's standing out so far? The most, from what I understand, the most impressive um, players so far are DJ Jeffries, Landers Nolly, and DeAndre Williams. And, and it's, I mean, it's, I, I'm not going to say it's not close, but the, the way it's been, exp the way it was explained to me and, and been described to me is that these guys are, all three of them are, can do so many different things at a very high level that, that, you know, whether they're on the floor with, without each other or, but especially when they're on the floor together, it's, it's kind of scary to think about. Um, again, this is the way it was, it was the vibe that I got was it's kind of scary to think about um, what they can do 
if they're all on the floor together um, because they're all so versatile. They're all so um, dynamic. And uh, yeah, th- those are the three that, that have stood out um, from, from what gotcha. I've done. And that's int- like, like obviously Nolly and Jeffries aren't necessarily surprising. They were picked second, you know, I think the league's coaches expect them to be two of Memphis's best players. The Deandre Williams one is interesting to me because not that he's one of the best players, like, you know, there's a reason Kentucky was going after him. Um, and he yeah. obviously had a, you know, the, when he played at Evansville, you know, he looked really good. He's a guy who's a, probably a pro. I don't know if he's NBA or whatever, but he's a guy who's going to probably make money uh, playing basketball at some point in his life. It sounds like, and he's, he's old, he's older than all the guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's the, it's the fact that we still don't know whether he's going to be able to play this year or not. He has yeah. not, got, unlike Landers Nolly, he has not received a waiver from the NCAA uh, to be eligible immediately after transferring here from El- Evansville. Do you have any update on that? Yeah, so the, 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 the grapevine uh, has indicated to me that, and we, this, there have been murmurings of this for a few weeks now, that Evansville has not been exactly cooperative in this whole thing. And um, that's kind of the way thing like that's kind of, when you see guys transfer and um, their their the NCAA rules on their on their waiver request pretty quickly. It's because the other team that the it's because the place they're coming from is being mm-hmm. cooperative and um, and that that helps things that that expedites things. But because Evansville has not. Um, then that is why this sort of has dragged out a little bit longer than a lot of people uh, feel like it should have. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't that doesn't have any bearing necessarily on his case. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody I've talked to is still very very optimistic that DeAndre Williams will be um, eventually get his waiver approved by the NCAA. It's just that they're sort of having to go the old route. They're having to do everything on their own rather than. Uh, shaking hands with Evansville and then those, you know, both sides jointly agreeing to this or, or making things easier for the NCAA. But the bottom line is Memphis is still um, optimistic that DeAndre will be, will be eligible this season. So so it sounds like he would slot, if he's eligible, he would slot into the starting lineup. I mean, if he's one of the three most impressive players or would he be like a super sub or. See, I don't, that's the thing is, is you never know what, I mean, who knows what Penny's thinking um, mm-hmm. really. Um, but I, I mean, I think for sure there, there could be games where he starts and, and Landers and DJ also start. Um, it just kind of all depends, I think kind of on Musa. Um, you know, I, I think Musa is probably a starter from day, you know, on day one. Mm-hmm how he performs will dictate whether he's a starter on day two. Um, You know, will he, will there be some growing pains? Will there be too many? um, Will the transition be smooth or not? If it's not, then I could see DeAndre Williams uh, being the guy. Yeah. But DeAndre Williams more of like a three slash four than a five. Yeah, that's true. No, that's true. But, if you've got, it sounds like if you've got those three on the floor, you might not, you know, you don't necessarily, there were times, I mean, precious was more of a three or four than a five, yeah. but he, but he played yeah. the five. So 
they've they, they're right. not averse to uh to doing that sort of thing but I think Musa probably keeps DeAndre out of the starting lineup or yeah, I, don't, I just don't know. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I said last week that I, I thought DeAndre Williams had super six man written all over him. Um, yeah. And I still believe that it's just in talking to some different people. Um, it, it, it sounds like it's going to be Penny's call and it sounds like it could knowing Penny, knowing what we know about him over the past few years where he's changes his lineups pretty frequently or, you know, on a, you know, it doesn't, he's not, he, he's not the type of guy who just sticks with the starting lineup right. all the time. Um, it sounds like it's basically either you've got Lester as your six man or DeAndre as your six man, if DeAndre is eligible. Um, it sounds pretty darn good to me. Like, yeah. it's just, he's got a lot of options. And like, it's why, I mean, this team, this team looks, I, I'm really excited to watch this team play basketball because, they're going to be able to play so many different styles because of the personnel they have. Um, Penny has said he wants them to be the fastest team in the country um, and the best defensive team in the country. Um, I, I just think there's a lot of possibilities um, if, for Penny, especially with that top seven, you know, like, yeah. you know, like, like the, the top seven, eight guys, you've just got a ton of options. And, I, and that's not to say he's only going to play seven or eight guys. I'm guessing he's going to play like 10, like he did last year. Uh, mm-hmm. But that top seven, I think is really good. Like, I think it's a, a, I don't, I like the fact that this team isn't getting too much hype nationally, like last year's team was, but I think that top seven is really intriguing and stacks and ha- is capable of competing with any top seven in the country. That's what I, I suspect. I don't know yeah. if, they, if they'll be better, but I think they can go toe-to-toe with anyone with that top seven. Yeah, and it sounds like it sounds like um, there's going to be multiple sort of interchangeable parts. Um, I wrote about this earlier this week that Alex Lomax, you know, we could get to November 25th and see Alex Lomax in the starting lineup just because, you know, he is more of a traditional point guard and – He's made some pretty big strides uh, over the offseason. And, um, you know, this is nothing against Boogie Ellis. I think Boogie Ellis is going to be um, extremely valuable in, in whatever role he fills. But, um, I, you know, the question with Boogie is, is and will be can he actually play point guard? Nothing I saw last year. And again, I haven't seen him since last March. So he could have, and he's only 18, 19 years old. He could have completely, and, and the reports are that he's came back, you know, a different player. But nothing I saw last year suggests, you know, shouted out to me, this guy is a point guard. Yeah. He's going to have I, to, yeah, he's going to have to show that before I think anybody's comfortable declaring him that. Like he's a scorer. That's what he is. Like he likes slashing and shooting. Like that's where he's at his best. Yeah. So with maybe, the ball in his hands, slashing and shooting, not trying to get rid of the ball to yeah. someone else. Maybe and he's so, for six man. We'll like see. that seems like more of a fit for that super six man role. If we're being totally honest, like a you your heat your your microwave guy off the bench. Um, you know, like like I almost see him as like when I watch Boogie Ellis. I don't think point guard. I think Ben Gordon. You remember Ben Gordon played at UConn, had a long NBA career. That's what I see when I watch, like an undersized two guard who can just fill it up. 
That's yeah. what I think Boogie Ellis is. I don't know if he's a point guard, but may, he can maybe prove me wrong. I mean, like, you know, like I said, he's he's only 18, 19 years old. Like these guys, you know, they always say the biggest jump you make is between your freshman and sophomore year. And so um, that'll be an interesting thing to follow as we approach the season and, and really the first few games of the season. Now, what the, we know what the first game is going to be. It's going to be Memphis, Ohio State. Um, and then we know the second game is going to be against West Virginia or Texas A&M and then whatever. But we don't know after they leave South Dakota, we don't know what the schedule is going to look like. And around the country, I mean, we just saw this week uh, a bunch of multi-team events in Orlando got called off uh, because of testing protocol stuff, you know, the testing protocol issues, trying to determine that. But here we are, October 28th less than a month away and very few teams around the country know what their schedules are going to look like. Um, I, including Memphis. Um, I, I believe you said last week, Jeff Crane indicated that it's going to be, you know, two home games in non-conference play plus a neutral site game that we now know is not going to be Tennessee. You know, Rick Barnes has said that's not going to happen. So that's probably Auburn. But now with all these teams in these multi-team events scrambling for games now because they got canceled, who knows? Memphis could add a team that we don't even know about right now. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly – that's totally possible. Yeah, so that's something we'll monitor here as we uh, move on. Well, that's all the time we got for today's podcast. Um, hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week for another edition. Uh, hopefully, uh, the smoke will have cleared on the schedule a little more by then. Uh, till then, I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Thanks so much, and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.